If you have a, a Bible in front of you, um, on, and there are Bibles on the windowsills, uh, please turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy, which is quite near the end of the New Testament, so quite near the end of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read the first seven verses and just bring some thoughts on these. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting the verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Shall we pray just briefly? Father, as we come to, to this moment, and as we open your word, I pray that by your spirit you'd speak deeply into our souls, into our hearts, that we would hear your voice, that we would know because we know that you're speaking to us, that we would respond to the prompting of your spirit. I thank you that you meet us where we're at, and I ask that your word, which is alive, would enliven us by your spirit. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. The world is, is wondering, will evil and darkness prevail? I'm sure many of us have thought similar type thoughts as we watch the news, hear stories and things like that? Will poverty increase? Will violence and war persist? Will divorce rates keep going through the roof? And will depression continue to rob many within our communities? Does it have to end all like this? Many people are asking and thinking such things. Well, according to Jesus Christ, it certainly will not end like this. There is hope. I once heard the story on the Alpha course of Graham's seed. He might still be part of uh, the Alpha course in one of the testimonies on there. Now, Graham lay dying in a hospital ward in Middlesbrough. He had spent three hard years living on the streets. He, he had been homeless for that long, and being homeless in the streets had taken its toll on him. He now lay there dying with a hypothermia, he had pneumonia, and he had sepsis. The doctor sought permission from his mother to switch off the life support. And this is what Graham says about that time. I spent nearly all my life in jail. I was a skinhead. I was a football hooligan. I was in the rave scene. 
I was charged with murder, but I was searching for love all my life and I couldn't find it. My mother gave up on me when I was 21. She said that I was the son of Satan. She said I was evil like my father, who I, never, who I had never seen. He used to rape and beat my mum, and he went to prison. She said, you're more evil than your dad, and I don't want nought to do with you. You're dead as far as I'm concerned. I grew up with my nana and my granddad. My nana was drinking and taking drugs all the time. I did not have hope. I didn't know what it was, but I always was trying to fill this hole inside of me with many things. Drugs, alcohol, sex, violence. It was a vicious circle of prison and outside prison. I ended up in a coma and it looked as if my life was over. Then... These lads who had been trying to tell me about Jesus on the streets turned up in the intensive care room and prayed for me. They said, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, give this man new life. And I woke up and started breathing myself. That evening, I opened my eyes for the first time in six days. They came back later and told me of God's love for me, and that Jesus came and died for people like me. I felt a freedom that I had never known before. I went along to this Alpha course at the church. I had four front teeth missing, and I was a right rebel. I hated myself, and I remembered saying, Jesus, if you are real, come into my life. These people tell me that you can change me and give me hope, and set me free. I had my hands out and I fell back and started crying. From that day on, I was totally transformed. I said to Jesus that day, you've given me hope. Help me to give other people hope. From then on, I had a desire to tell people about Jesus. Three years later, I started a ministry in our church called Emmanuel Prison Ministries. I was asked to go into the prison that I was released from in 1995. I spent 10 years of my life in jail trying to get out, and now every day I'm trying to get back in. I run Alpha back to back now in seven prisons in the Northeast. I talk to all the kids in the estate to tell them there is a better way of life. Stealing and taking drugs is not the way to go. I wanted them to know Jesus the way I had got to know Jesus. The testimony of Graham uh, Seed. Is that right, Seed? I'm right in remembering that. Quite a name. I believe the local church is the hope of the nation. I believe the hope, the local church, is the hope of our communities in the world. Transformed by and in the power and love of Jesus. I believe that is possible for the local church. And therefore, I believe Pilockery Baptist Church, and whatever church is your family, I believe Pilockery Baptist Church is the hope for Highland Perthshire. Now, you know me well enough that I'm not bigging myself up. I truly believe that warts and all, 
because I believe that Jesus is the head of the church. And I believe and I have experienced the hope that only Jesus can give and that that's not just for me, that's to be shared all over the place. I believe that we are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's not just me with the title. I believe that others are called to preach and lead and teach and care and change nappies and wipe nose and visit in prisons and hospitals and run youth clubs and put plasters on and offer hope and give their testimony, whether they grew up in a Christian home or not, whether they are married or not. I believe the local church is the hope for our communities and therefore Pitlochry Baptist Church is the hope for our communities. Because there are radical stories of transformation to be told in here. Radical stories of transformation like Graham Seed. And I believe they need to be heard and continually to be heard. But unfortunately, many of you, what I've just said there may have landed. But for many of you, it's not landed because you think, I've been hurt by the church. You, you may think, I don't like some things that are happening in the church. Or you may think of yourself, what will I ever amount to? Or you may think, I've tried it, I've tried it, I've tried it. For instance, 16 years ago or 15 years ago, I remember we did a, a, a review and we launched home groups as being something that was so key to the life of our church. And I can remember Les Brown, dear, godly, wonderful Les Brown, not in a, a bad way, in an honest way. And he said to me, and I'm sure it was in his, his front room, We've tried this before, David. And I remember with so much passion saying, we're doing it again. It needs to happen. Community needs to happen. Why was I going to tell you that story? I can't even remember now. But we can often think, we've tried it before. We've tried it before and it's never happened. I was quite, and I think I put that in my pastor's letter, when no one stepped up to leadership last year and Martin stepped away. I felt there was a hole. And we just knew as a leadership team we had to call the church to take seriously this endeavour of seeking the mind of Christ. And we couldn't come back to this time again this year and no one stood for leadership. Fortunately this year we got three people standing for leadership and potentially more down the line. We didn't give up. We didn't say we've tried it before and it's not going to happen. We sought the Lord in prayer and fasting. And three godly people have presented themselves to us as potential people who will join in the leadership of the life of this church. And leadership has happened all over the place in grassroots. The church is the hope of this community, of this nation and of the world. Even if we think we've tried it before, even if we see mistakes in the past, that is what we are called to because Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because we're called to the way of Jesus, to follow in the dust of our rabbi, a phrase I use all the time, but it's so, so important. We are plan A, there is no plan B. And so here, in this verse, I'm going to pull out three things briefly, three pictures, three analogies that Paul uses to his protege, Timothy. He's writing this to a young leader and he's saying lots of things, but one of the things he is saying is, be strong, endure. Be strong and endure. How do you be strong and how do you endure? 
doesn't happen by just saying the words. Something has to change with us. We need some sort of buy-in. And in here, he presents three analogies, three pictures that are packed, I think, with significance. And this morning, we're just going to touch base on them briefly. Read with me verse 3. In fact, I'll read for the beginning again. You then, my son, be strong. The command for this young leader, this command for other leaders, I believe we're all leaders in some capacity. Therefore, he's speaking to us, the church, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not in our own strength, but be strong because you've received grace. You will continue to see gray, receive grace. The work that God has begun, he will bring to completion. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to reliable men, will also be qualified to teach others. There's something there about intergenerational and generational ministry and passing down. We've not got time for that, but I'll just skip on to verse 3. He says, Endure with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The first picture here is of a soldier. We are to be like good soldiers. If we are going to endure and be strong, be the hope of our community, see people come to Christ and see their lives transformed, we are have been given the picture of a good soldier. Now, soldiers share in suffering. You cannot choose to not suffer. You may be able to dodge it to a certain degree. However, if you live long enough, have enough experiences, have families, you will experience suffering. It's part and parcel of our life. However, you can choose your mindset in that suffering. You can choose how you approach it and go into the, the world from that position. Paul doesn't say suffer is someone who has got a huge chip on their shoulder. Paul doesn't say suffer as someone who thinks the world owes them something. Paul says, suffer as a good soldier. That doesn't mean we're to be machines. It doesn't mean that we're to be emotionally stoic. I have got two brothers who are, who are soldiers, and there are soldiers in here, and I know of soldiers. Soldiers get sad. Soldiers grieve. Soldiers know times that are hard. Soldiers are prepared to go into a place where others are shooting at them. People are trying to kill them. Soldiers have bought into that. They are prepared for that. They know about that. And soldiers die through friendly fire as well. Paul is saying, do not be surprised by suffering. It's going to happen. But understand that as a soldier, you will have to endure in those hardships. He then goes on to say in verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. I have interests, you have interests. I have hobbies, you have hobbies. Many of us have got families. They take up our life and our focus and our drive. We have careers, we have businesses, we are employees. We enjoy retirement and communities. We all have things that fill our day. 
And all of that's good. But Paul is saying to this young leader, and by association, us, we're first of all to please, uh, to please our commanding officer with a single-minded devotion. And I say that to young married couples as well, who, it's a wonderful time, and enjoy it and enjoy it, but may Jesus be the centre of your love. May Jesus be the centre of this new life that you're forming together. May Jesus be the, the centre of every waking day. May he be that third cord that makes you strong. May he be the focus of your intense devotion. That is what Paul is saying to us as soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, we've got lots of analogies and pictures of the Christian life. Our relationship with God is like a, a child to a father, and that is true. Or as a bride to a groom, and that is true. Or as sheep to a shepherd, and all of these are right. But don't miss this. We are also called to be a soldier in relationship with his commanding officer. Paul clearly states this to Timothy. And here he says, and he says to us, be strengthened, endure, and do this with a single-minded devotion, even in the midst of suffering, suffering to your commanding officer. That's the first picture he gives. Verse 5, he gives a second picture, an analogy to us. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And what he means by the rules are, it's the game of the Christian life, the Christian games. We are to follow the way of Jesus. That is the way in which we receive the crown, by abiding in him. And at times, as Jesus suffered, so we will suffer. Ro Paul says this to another church. He says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We all want the glory. We all want to be welcomed into his presence. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now you'll be faithful with much, much more. Come and enjoy the Father's rest. Even in the song, there was one song we were singing and that was just in my mind as we were, we were singing. The last song of How Great Thou Art, the last verse. We all want that. But not many of us rush into the suffering. There are some people who've rushed into martyrdom as if that is a, highest, a high calling of the Christian faith. That in itself is not. If it's the will of God that we suffer and it means martyrdom, so be it. But we're talking about the everyday life of taking up our cross and following Jesus. Of saying not my will but your will. That at times can produce suffering because we want to be the centre of our own Passions, business, money, time, energy. But we need a single-minded devotion to Jesus. That's what I'm called to, and I think it's what you're called to if you follow Jesus. And he says earlier in another letter to Timothy, he warns, but watch your life and your doctrine. Why? Because you might be disqualified from the prize. There's numerous times in John's Gospel where Jesus says, abide in me, abide in me, stay in me, stay in the vine. And I lament many people that I came to faith with at the same time, 35 years ago in Queen's Park Baptist Church, many of those, it seems, have not abided with Jesus. The cares of the world, there is real pressure. There is an enemy who desires us 
to water down and to walk away from Jesus. But we are called to, called to endure as a good soldier. Single-minded devotion to our commanding officer. And to go and, and to win the prize according to the rules. To follow Jesus in the way he has shown us. Now there's two lessons I noted from sports. And I like football. I've actually got into cricket a wee bit, which is quite alarming. Um, <laughs> but um, there are two lessons. There is a right way and there's a wrong way to play sports. And there are winners and there are losers. Now I know, because I've been involved in coaching kids football, there is all of this malarkey about it's the taking part that counts. Yeah, to a degree. To a degree, but we all want to win. I've still got my winner's medals when I was in primary school, um, and it's all dusty and all sorts of stuff now because it was cheap plastic back then, no doubt. But I've still got a, a kind of a cherish it. I received a prize. When I did the Highland Cross, which was a ridiculous run and cycle across the top of Scotland a few years ago, a few pounds ago, um, I received a medal for participating, but do you know what? I received a medal for winning because when you do the Highland Cross, which is 19 miles across, running across mountains and then cycling for 35 miles, when I did that, I fell and gashed my knee and I can remember very succinctly crying and running and crying and running because my four-year-old son Joshua was waiting at the finish line and I wanted to finish for him. I won, I did it. My brother-in-law finished Everything before I had finished the run. But I had won my prize. When I walked the Camino from Seville to Santiago de Compostela, I didn't need to get to Santiago de Compostela. I had walked my Camino a hundred miles earlier. I had received peace from God. Many people walk a Camino and toil with life. But I believe I received my prize, which was peace with God, a hundred miles before Santiago de Compostela. There are winners and there are losers. There is a, a right way and there's a wrong way. Sport ought to teach us this. And Paul is getting at it here. He says, when it comes to our living, when it comes to our eternal destination, not everyone gets first place. There are winners and there are losers. Check out what he says in 1 Corinthians 19. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run all of us, therefore, in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it in order to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others... I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. Wow, what a way to end that encouragement for us to walk the way. Paul says that I may not be disqualified. I run until my final breath is given back to its creator. A soldier, an athlete, some in this eternal destiny will win and some will lose. And we win the prize through Christ. So therefore my encouragement to all of us Disciples of Jesus Christ abide in him. And finally, very finally, verse 6, we've got the, the last one. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. 
So the same idea here. Ministry and dedication to the way of Jesus requires hard work. So if you're a soldier, we're, we're to point to endurance. And if we're an athlete, we're, we're to work according to, to the rules of gaining the prize. And then the farmer, we ought to be hardworking. That is the call for us, hardworking. So that we might get the first share of the crops. Now, Paul is dealing with images here analogies he's not saying work for your salvation our salvation is a free gift a gift by its name is free as soon as you have to pay for that it is not a gift you have earned it our eternal life through Jesus by faith is free so he has not gone on and saying to us uh, you need to work to earn your salvation in heaven. It is there. But we are called to endure. We are called to live by the way of Jesus. And we're called to partner with him. Partner with the Holy Spirit. So if you've got an issue with your temper, partner with God with that. If you have got an issue with how you look at your money and you do not give your first fruits to the Lord, and I do mean sacrificially giving your money into the collection, as many many within this church family do, you need to bring that before the Lord. If you've got an issue with gossip and you're justifying because the other person is really like the way you're describing them, repent. Because that is not the way of Jesus. And if you're lazy, greedy, conceited, all of these things which we are not called to, but we know they're in our lives. Partner with God in that transformation. Graham Seed had to partner with God. He had to be willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. As Jesus did before him. And many saints have done since and will continue to do. Paul simply says, strive. Put in the effort and partner with God. Farmers generally are hard work. They don't get what they get by being lazy. But some, of, but some of us maybe can take an example from a farmer. And so I finish off by just saying this. We're all at different points in this journey. Some of us need to be part of this church family to heal. Some of us need to be in this church family as if we're a boat that's been out in the high sea for too long and we just need a bay to be and to rest. Others are here ready to serve the Lord. Some are doubters and they've got all sorts of things bouncing about in their head and there's room for failing as well. There's grace for mistakes. But I hope you'll always be called in this church family into a single-minded devotion to Jesus. To work according to the way of Jesus. And to partner with the Holy Spirit. As a soldier, as an athlete, as a farmer. And finally, I wonder, going back to that time with Graham Seed, I wonder what it took for those young Christian men to hear from the Lord that they were to go and pray for Graham Seed and pray for his life for healing. They were to turn off the life support. And yet these young men heard the Spirit of God whisper to them. A bold, a scary prayer. Even as I think about it, I've got goosebumps because it could have went oh so wrong. They could have heard wrong. 
but they heard right and they were faithful. They prayed according to Jesus and God met them where they were. May it be so for us. Not just in this church family, but in other church family where Jesus is Saviour and where Jesus is Lord. Because our world needs a local church without a shadow of a doubt. And this day we remember so much sacrifice. May we be people who bring so much hope according to his will. Amen. Shall we pray and then we're going to sing and then we're going to have tea and coffee. Um, Father, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thank you for those pictures. They're easy to, to remember, but there's so much packed in there, Father. I pray that there'd have been something in this short time that would have landed with each and every one of us. Mostly, Father, I pray that we would have heard that you love us so much that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I thank you, Father, that that very famous uh, scripture sums up who you are, what you have done, your desire for this world. And I pray, Father, that we would willingly bow the knee to Jesus as Saviour and that each day we would willingly bow the knee to Jesus as Lord. And how we speak and how we think transform our hearts. May our treasure be Jesus and Jesus only. And would you do something quite wonderful with us, Lord? Not for our glory, but for yours. May we see more and more and more people willingly bow the knee to Jesus. May we see life transformed, hope birthed. May we see our churches fuller and fuller and fuller. But not just that, Lord. May we see disciples discipled and be disciples of disciples. I pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Lead us in our prayers for Highland Persia, for where our church family is. We love you, we need you, and would you be glorified. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen.